0: Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown,
1: a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world.
0: I'm Courtney Kosak. and I'm Sophia Alexandra, and we're back, baby. Yes, and actually, sir. no, baby, no, baby, we're back with our third <laughs> and final installment where men talked about their personal experiences with abortion. I have to ruin every one of these intros, or it just wouldn't be right.
1: Seriously, I'm just here clutching my head. I'm like, can we abort this episode?
0: <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Okay, a little punchy on our final installment uh, But yeah, roll with it, you guys First, if you haven't listened to our last episode, go back Because uh, we had Derek Murray and Christopher Morrison And they both had unique stories But religion was a factor for both of them And oh my god, the way that it manifests in Chris's story is just crazy
1: Yeah, just like a visual symbol of shame, it's insane. Uh, so like institutionalized, socialized shame. Yeah. And if you haven't heard part one, which is with our friend Matt Monroe, um, he is the guy whose social media post actually inspired this whole series. And uh, today we talked to two more guys. One is a comedian, podcaster, and former teacher, Jeff May.
0: Yes, we talked to Jeff. And we also talked to another guy who chose to remain anonymous. And you guys, this is the one that I mean, after the interview, Sophie and I were like, oh, my God, you know, like, I don't think people think of all these situations when they think of abortion and when they think of late term abortion. I think uh, it's
1: demonized so heavily um, in our culture that, you know, people stop having empathy at a certain point. The further along you are in your pregnancy, the less sympathy you garner if you terminate. And I think this is a story that will like kind of crush your heart and also maybe remind you that, you know, the situations that you can't foresee still exist and they impact people who you've never met.
0: Seen any men publicly post about it before? And then we were like, "Oh my god, I don't even think we like hear men really talk about it. It's only men that I've been like intimate with that I know their abortion stories."
2: Yeah, that's fair. If you are a, if you are a pro choice man and you have one of those stories, I think a lot of times you'll be more aware of how these are women's stories more than they are ours. So oftentimes you don't want to steal the thunder. I know that's a weird thing to refer to when (laughs) you're talking about. I mean, upon issues of social justice, a lot like I'm a straight white man, and so like in a situation where there's a big movement going on, having me be like, "Let me explain to you how this is affecting me," it kind of feels like we're. I want to shy away from that because it's not my thing. It's so
0: respectful of you, but the problem is there are so many men on the other side that think it is their job to speak on it and to really make... Crucial decision. Evil, so they're the only men, men talking. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so the men that are our allies and men that have had abortions seem to then be invisible. And then the women are out there being targets, being like, hi, I've had an abortion. Let me take all the hate. And then there's really no men out there being like, hey, you know, I've participated in an abortion too. And, you know, it was rough and it's not a decision made easily. You know, we don't see that a lot. I yeah. understand it's like, a sensitive topic, but that's kind of what got us to want to talk to yeah, men about their abortion stories. And mm-hmm. we want them to feel free and not feel like, oh, it's not our place.
2: Well, the other part about that too, is that the the person that I engaged it with, I'm no longer with anymore. Uh, it's actually my ex-wife. Uh, and this was um, before we had actually gotten married. There's there, This is actually the, the the through line is very complicated because we were using birth control. And it turns out she was really kind of willy-nilly with it. She'd like miss a day and then be like, I'll just take two tomorrow. And this is the part where it sucks because I'd be like, I feel like that's not how that works. And she'd be like, it'll be fine. But that's also, it's on me because it's the only contraception we were using because we were monogamous and and tested and and we were like, all right, well, you take the pill and we'll be fine. Uh, It feels way better this way. So were you pissed at her? There's a, I mean, there's a lot of roller coasters in there because you can't you can't immediately go to rage. When we found this out, we were both in relatively good situations. I was a, a teacher making a very decent wage, and she uh, worked in the insurance world making way more than I made. Um, I was going to say, a teacher with a decent
1: wage.
2: Massachusetts Public. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So. <laughs> so
1: listen,
2: it is... Uh, She was like, I'm, I'm late, and I I tested, and I I double tested, and it's there. And and I kind of was like, all right, well, this is our life now. We've been together long enough that this makes sense. So now we have to make these adjustments because this is. Oh, you were
0: ready to have a kid. I
2: was. I think that phrasing might not be right, but I was accepting that this was going to be my new normal. Was be like, all right, well. We were I mean, we were in our late 20s, too. Like, we weren't children. We were, you know, it wasn't 18, 19 years old. And we were like, there goes all our dreams. We were kind of settled into, like, this is the life plan.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And so I was like, all right, well, I feel like we can do this. And she's like, I don't think we can or I don't want to. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we weren't engaged or married. So it was a very, like... I don't what are people going to think kind of a situation.
0: Were you guys in love?
2: I think yeah, I think so. As much as you are when you look back at a I mean, I married her afterwards. I I proposed and did get married. It was a mistake as I am now here and 3000 <laughs> miles away. Sounds <laughs> romantic. I mean, it's funny because I thought, okay, well we can do this. And she's like, mm, "No." I was How long
0: had you been together?
2: I'd say about at that point in time around 2 years. Okay. Like, not an inconsequential amount of time to then move your lives to what the script says you're supposed to do. Um, Now, I was in this conversation with her where I was like, I think we can do it. But this is your choice. I will support whatever choice you like, whether or not I like the choice. And that's something that even coming on here, I was almost afraid to say, which is I didn't like the choice at the time. But I one hundred percent supported the choice.
0: That's dope. Uh,
2: yeah, like it. It was hard. I said, okay, we will. Uh, we'll go to Planned Parenthood and we'll take care of this.
1: Did she tell you why she didn't
2: want? That? I mean, it was a lot of just. I have a lot. I have. I have a career that I'm still building up mm-hmm. that I don't want to take time off with. Which she was right. You know, putting the onus financially on on a middle school teacher would have been possible, but not yeah. great. We were still technically living apart we were we were staying with each other every night but living in separate spots um and i think she just didn't want a kid at that point in time which is fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and from yeah but from a rear view i'm like thank christ right. you know like i would be miserable if that were the case and um and she uh also is happily married with a child so Good for her. I'm I'm very happy that she's in this position. Um, but so we went to Planned Parenthood, and there were things that I I liked, and then there were things that made me feel uneasy. But I was also like a white dude from an all white community in his 20s, so I was a little bit put off by kind of my lack of information. Like I felt I was they were very standoffish about allowing me
1: to be a part of it.
2: To be a part of it. And I was like, well, I'm not a bad guy. And and now I look back and I'm like, well, they don't fucking know that, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. they're not aware of that. So mm-hmm. we went in and we had a, a a counselor's meeting. And the counselor couldn't have been 21. She was a baby. And and I I kind of asked her, I was like, what's your what's your school of stuff? Like, what where's what's your credentials for this? I look back at that and I, I probably was a little hard on her. It was like I, I was treating her like someone trying to sell me a car.
0: <laughs> oh my god, oh Jeff! My god.
2: Where I was just like, "I." <laughs> There's no
0: such thing as undercoating.
2: I was like, I, "Yeah, true coat." That's. I don't seems want to like, get a
0: bad deal on this abortion. Yeah. Um.
2: So there, were, and they 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 explained the two options. They said the, the surgical and then the medical abortion. They they, they gave us uh, the two options, and um, she chose medical which is the one where they give you the pill there and then you have two hours or something like that or 90 minutes or Or, something
0: or like 12 hours i don't know but then you have to go home and take take it another pill yeah and
2: and that pill then forces uh forces a miscarriage and
1: it's the
0: worst
2: yes so uh this is a part where it's an interesting thing because this all sort of stemmed from her just being all flippant about the the whole birth control thing that kind of like started to get on me where I was just like you can't I told you so someone going through an abortion but you're like oh man like this wouldn't have happened if we followed the rules yeah but I just want to say
0: occasionally it does happen even if you follow the rules perfectly sure. yeah but fair
2: yeah but then the other thing is we went through the process in my apartment instead of hers which was further away from the location. And I was just like, "What? why do we have to do this in my apartment? Probably
0: because she didn't want to go back to yeah, her she, place yeah. and be like, oh, this is where I had an abortion every day.
2: Yeah, she didn't want to be haunted by yeah. that ghost. She's like, let Jeff be haunted by it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I am masturbating that bathroom. Come on. <laughs> Um, She's like, I think
0: it's a
1: fair trade. Uh, I have a miscarriage and you have to think about my miscarriage. Yeah,
2: And so and she, she went through the process and I, I was there, you know, uh, being as accessible as I can, you know, I mean, holding pom poms and cheering her on as much as I could. But it, it was interesting that I was in the unique experience where I was supporting something that I didn't want to do and mm-hmm. I didn't like. and And I, in a way not resented but i was like really mad eventually at where the situation had brought itself but also at the same time very aware that it's not my option for a decision
0: i want to unpack that a little bit mm-hmm. do you genuinely believe that because you're like oh if this were in my body i totally would want to make that decision or like i thought
2: we were more prepared than she did for th- for having a child I honestly thought we were more ready for it, and so, so you
0: thought she was being selfish.
2: Um, it's a very juvenile way to think of it. Is is almost this is how ridiculous and babyish it sounds. Is it's insulting in a way, and I know that sounds ridiculous because of of the situation, obviously. And I'm trying to put it in as simple a terms as I can, but it's like it does make you think like, oh, I, oh, I'm not the one. Uh, that's not what you. We don't do the family thing? Is that not the plan? Was that not a thing? Am I not good enough? Like, you do... Because we all internalize things. Right. And and so I did kind of carry that.
1: You're like, well, this thing is half me. So if you don't want that, then maybe you don't want me in the same way. I mean, kind I of. don't want you or something.
2: Kind of, while still understand. Like, yes, and there's the duality of it. Where I was like, ah, like this sucks but it's not your fucking body man like it's not you don't have to carry it for nine months you don't have to sacrifice a career yeah that's what i'm
0: were you like conscious of that of course were you like able to empathize and be like i would totally want to be able to have the final call if
2: i didn't empathize i wouldn't have allowed it in my apartment i wouldn't have brought her to the Mm -hmm, thing i wouldn't have uh you know like i i would have just been like if you're doing it that's on you but, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because there are I mean, this happens more often than I think people are willing to admit is that when a woman has to make that choice, sometimes a man will um, literally just abandon them because they take it so personally and they don't have the empathy and the objective viewpoint of that. Um, I had that while still kind of like pouting alone. You
1: had your feelings, but you knew better than to let yeah. them interfere with what you knew was like the th- right thing to do
2: yeah there's there's you know the right thing to do isn't is almost always harder being a person uh, finding a a moral compass that is correct i guess you know as close as what you can imagine while still getting what you want is is not always the case and that's kind of where i landed on that and it was a thing I, I didn't necessarily, like, I never really forgot that. I, I ultimately think that was one of the reasons that um, I sort of pushed for, for the, the separation as well. I it was, was going like, to ask you that. Kind of. Because it, it's, it's, I actually mentioned it in my act where I decided to get a divorce during a boxing match that I was losing. And I was just getting my ass kicked and just being like, ah, oh, God, like, I, I'm just not happy with my life right now. And uh, she had come home because she was in New Orleans at the time because she never liked to see me fight, and she came back.
0: Oh, you were literally in a boxing match. Yeah,
2: that wasn't a metaphor. That oh, was a literal, I was like,
0: oh that, yeah, that okay, was a literal. Cool. I
1: knew that, so I didn't bump <laughs> yeah. on it, but I could. See oh, I'm how... sorry. Yeah, yeah,
2: I was an amateur fighter as well. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so she came back and she and she kind of was kind of was like brought up in a conversation she's like i think we should like think into moving before we start having kids and that was sort of that wall of like a decision that i kind of already pushed where i was like i don't think i can i can do either of those two things with you and it was really the the kind of like the breaks you know were hit and it and i think that i did carry that the sort of like the idea of, of if we were to have a child, there would be that sort of asterisk, I guess. Not that that's what I believe, but at the time, that's kind of how I felt. And I think a lot of it had to do with me just not being happy in a marriage. Because it was a very competitive and, and mm-hmm. almost mean-spirited. We were two kind of very type alpha.
1: mass holes.
2: Yeah, but like really competitive, and it would be like she went to uh, like a, a sister school, and she and she was like all kind of like, like I went to Mount Holyoke, and I was like, yeah, we're in the same house, and you've got bigger debt, so
0: oh, oh shit, congrats, yeah,
2: you're way smarter than me. You like <laughs> that's so know. funny. Yeah, or I'd be like, would you get on the SAT again? Because <laughs> I was higher and I was just dick like really like prickish things back and forth to each other where it wasn't Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was it was the thing. I I didn't like the decision at the time. I love the decision now. Um because since that separation I have since retired from teaching, moved across the country and changed my career. And I have sought out um relationships that are more supportive and and uh, you hit and you miss sometimes i'm i'm seeing someone very fantastic now
1: oh uh, my god who could that be uh,
2: i don't know if she wants her name dropped in my abortion story <laughs> although <laughs> i, I, I did, i'm just
1: saying that because she's one of my besties she, and I love uh, her. she
2: did uh very funny a uh, very funny comedian uh named valerie tosi who i i actually uh called and told her before i committed to this that i i was Going to do that And she's like Yeah it's your It's your story Like But like I was just like Are you okay with me Doing this story Uh, Jeff
0: respectful All the way around I
2: uh, like it You have to Like I'm a big dude So you have to be aware Of like where you're stepping All the time (laughs) And I think I just kind of
1: Makes you careful Take
2: that into My interactions I don't always succeed (laughs) And it was funny Because I put on one of the movies That she always was trying To want to get me to watch Um so that I would finally, you know, to be like, oh, we'll watch this movie that, you know, you like, and kind of like, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. afterwards I'm like, oh, I think I just ruined her favorite movie for her. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I just created a triggering event every time she watches Ice Castles or you whatever. Were trying. my
1: God. That's so funny how that's the other way to look at it. It's I'm like, go, oh, I'll is this the- comforting? Oh, I- she'll never watch The Never Ending Story yeah. again. Oh, well, look,
2: I'll, I'll watch the movie that you want me to watch. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, I ruined it. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an interesting situation, though, because the process is, is so... I personally can't describe it uh, properly enough because I, I didn't live through it, but it's like, like every... How many
0: hours did it take, oh, would yeah, you say? F-
2: Four or five, five hours, six yeah. hours.
0: Mine was brutal long thing at home. They were like, This is when you'll be going through it for six to eight hours or whatever. It was like way beyond that. Way longer. Oof. And then you bleed forever, you know, yeah. regardless. My
1: best friend in college had one and I paid for half of it and went with
2: You guys did have these. <laughs> I know,
1: right? Um split it. <laughs> but but I remember her being back and how many hours of like bleeding and pain and cramping it was way more than they said it was like one of the most clearly traumatic physical things that had ever happened to her yeah
3: Yeah. i
2: mean it's yeah i couldn't think of to
1: watch somebody and not be able to help them it's like
2: yeah you know and that situation too like i think if you're going through something on a toilet it's really hard to be like you want me to hold your hand <laughs> yeah. like, it's like yeah. get out of the bathroom like you're
1: also like going back and forth and you like lie down yeah. for a second but you're miserable and then you get back yeah, up. No, i felt it's so like bad for her a miscarriage yeah that's yeah.
2: what yeah that's a what's happening forced and aggressive yeah um but yeah i i think i mean the the one thing that was like really really i i always remember being insanely hungry because we couldn't eat anything like we couldn't take a moment to eat because it was such a
0: mm-hmm.
2: back and forth and her, her body was going through so much that I was just like maybe I could sneak something in the I in the love kitchen. that that was like, your
0: internal monologue. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean
2: among other things but yeah <laughs> I was like oh god I'm so hungry. I was like a bread or <laughs> some cheese. its
0: Did you feel shame afterward and even though you didn't necessarily want that decision did you like feel the societal shame and stigma afterwards
2: societal no personal a a more sorrow than shame it's funny because uh i don't believe that that it is a child um but i recognize that it is the potential of one And, and so the sort of like the the imagination that goes wild um when somebody knows about a conception is there, and then to have it pull back—it's it, it—that is emotionally devastating, and I did carry that that sorrow of of sort of what could have been. And looking back now in the rear view, I'm like, oh, thank Christ, because what could have been would have been a nightmare.
0: Do you ever talk to other guys about abortion?
2: I mean, uh, um, I have. I live in L.A. I Does am it come in up? entertainment, so every time it comes up, it's all like. They could do what they want, yeah, and then we high five each other and go back to living our lives. So like, there's
1: no emotional or sharing or anything.
2: I've I've mentioned it before. I actually I had done a I had incorporated it into a stand up bit for a a sort of like comics do their most uncomfortable stuff.
0: What 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 kind of jokes did you do?
2: Um, there were I I mean, because I had talked about how I, I had done. I think I. I mentioned it earlier because I just brought it up, but I like the line: "Is you can't." I told you so. Someone going through an abortion. Oh yeah. And that level of sort of like that dickish man, like you. Sh- you should have listened. Um, I don't remember. I I uh I think i had mentioned something about like how something about my bathroom being haunted. It's been like four years since I did the yeah the yeah, yeah. But I have brought it up in the past, and if anybody were to ask me about it, I'm pretty I'm pretty open. I try not to keep a lot hidden um but i don't think like
0: like do your parents know
2: uh they're huge fans of the podcast
0: (laughs) yes um, all
1: the people love it. i
2: don't know my mom is too entrenched in in old catholic guilt
1: you don't think she could handle it
2: i don't think she needs to know i i think that my mother is is what my dad won't even give a shit. He'd be like, Why are you calling me? Like, if I told him that, um, my mom would, I think my mom would be really sad, mostly because she grew up Catholic.
1: Yeah, is there anything you would have done differently? Would have worn a condom, I think.
0: <laughs> 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 no. Okay, I mean, so that's no, that's an interesting question because today. How has it affected your birth control habit since then? Have you been 100% – have you been only wearing condoms since that happened?
2: I wear I – wear, I wear condoms, Five yeah. Five I, condoms I wear, every time? I mean, <laughs> no, I use very expensive gold-plated condoms. That's what it really comes down to. Um, yeah, there's – you know, I mean, you know, sometimes we'll start out a little against the rules. And then I'll be like, nope, oh, nope, I got to go put that thing on. and And I do. Yeah, like I'm not going to – you know, I I don't understand when guys say like they won't wear condoms because it doesn't feel good. I'm like, yeah, it it does.
0: You've had a condom on every time you've ejaculated since this happened. I'm so sorry to press this, but Inside? I just want to know, Courtney. Those are some really serious
1: statistics. Inside?
2: um, because like I'm not gonna put a condom on during a blowjay. You know that? No no. Um, no, 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 no. I think I I've, I've had uh, a few accidents in which I have um okay have, uh, fronted the cost of a of a uh plan b day after yeah a plan b pill where i'm just like oh shit that was a huge mistake gotcha we were having a good time and it went a little faster than expected no
0: i just think it's important to note that like even if you've gone through it and it's horrible and you know whatever almost everyone we've talked to is like still not been a hundred percent you know what i mean because like People That's not perfect. life. Guess what? That's yeah. not life. It's just not real.
2: I'm 99% effective. <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> a condom. You're That's the condom it. of people. <laughs> I'm the condom of people that wear expensive condoms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but wait, you still didn't answer me. You joke answered me. But for real, do you have any regrets or anything you would have done differently I
2: after? I, I think I would From have. the
1: way you handled the abortion?
2: Um, I think the process, I should have been um, less combative. Uh I don't think that was fair. I don't think that was fair to her um, to be like, "You're making a mistake." Uh, and he said I never, those words. I was, I was literally going to say I never said that, but I, I sure as shit implied it. Hmm. Um, and I, 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 it's sort of in a passive aggressive, but not. Yeah, it was a bummer. I, I, I wasn't um, as empathetic as I could have been. Um, I was more like, "What the fuck, man? We screwed up, and now, now we're not paying the consequences." And turns out that is also a consequence, like the the cost of, of on her body of going through that, the experience, the memory is also the consequence of that. Um, I probably w- I would have, um, I think, just being a little more uh, empathetic during the process. Um, after the fact. I don't, I don't think I would have changed much except maybe ended the relationship before we got married. But we had a very scripted, very provincial hometown life where mm-hmm. you date, you move in, you get married, then you have kids. And like, I was like, oh man, we probably shouldn't have followed the script this hard.
0: Yeah, except yeah. that abortion.
2: Yeah. Unscripted. What part of the script is that? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Of course, yeah. We really appreciate
1: you being vulnerable with us.
0: It's so interesting to hear guys like Jeff whose perspectives we desperately need to hear on this subject. Are afraid to speak up because they don't want to talk out of turn.
1: Yeah, and it's also hilarious if you know Jeff personally because he's like (laughs) the most talkative and outgoing and gregarious guy he
0: stayed for an hour after just to shoot the shit with us yeah because he's a delight yeah
1: but you can see how even somebody like him it's it's not easy to talk about it and if men feel like they can't speak up, then we as a society are both failing our women and failing our men.
0: I just found it interesting that he didn't want her to make that decision up front. And then ultimately, it was the best decision for her. And it was the best decision for him. And he can even look back on that and say that. And I'm not saying that's true for everyone. But I do think there's something to that that really illustrates my body, my choice and Actually, maybe it's going to work out best for everybody if it goes down like that, you know? Yep. So our next interview is with a man who, like we said at the beginning, has chosen to remain anonymous. Um, His story, you guys, is so powerful. And I think it's really going to challenge you to think through how complex this issue is. You know, it's so interesting that Derek Murray, you know, talked about the way that he grew up thinking it was just women killing babies.
1: Yeah, just going in, getting it done real quick.
0: And I think people even think about that for late term abortion, which is so not
1: what is going on. Also, I feel like this story really epitomizes what we talk about when we talk about preserving the life that is already here.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: and having the family that's already here be the priority over an unborn fetus.
3: There's a little background that goes along with this. In 2008, my wife and I, our daughter was born and she was born about a month early. And as a result of some, some things that were going on in the pregnancy that we didn't really know about, uh, she was born with special needs and at the time we didn't really know how involved that was going to be and what that was really going to do to our lives she's 11 year old, years old now she's great but subsequent to to that uh, a few months my wife uh, my wife got pregnant and um and we were just beginning to sort of experience um we had a lot of doctor's appointments. We had a lot of therapies in the house. We had, um, you know, a lot of, we were both out of work. It was just the beginning of the downturn. So we had no resources. We had family was taking care of literally everything. And my wife was uh, considered high risk. And we'd obviously just come out of, you know, a, a pregnancy that, that had gone awry. So she started to get some tests, which included some genetic testing. And the genetic testing showed that there was a very high likelihood that, uh, that our son was going to be born with special needs, with, with pretty intense special needs as well.
0: How far along was it?
3: I would say she had the abortion on, um, on voting day 2008. I think in the decision that she had to make we had to act quickly otherwise it was going to turn into a late-term abortion you know so she had asked me you know what uh, what my thoughts were and obviously it was we were overwhelmed um, and uh, and I was you know frightened um, and you know and my considerations were for you know for my wife and our family at that point you know we had just had like I said uh, our daughter was special needs and and my wife was in a deep depression about that blaming herself for that entirely and my concerns were for how are we going to sustain our family this is not going to be you know this is not going to double the work this is going to be exponential going forward so she, we, made the decision to uh, to end the pregnancy. And um, it was two appointments. Uh, you know, we're both very liberal people. She shared with me before this point that she, uh, she had had an abortion once before when she was uh, a younger woman, when she was in her teens, actually. You know, I drove her to the first appointment, um, and I remember – vividly her saying, you know, after the appointment, uh, where she got, uh, she got the shots that she could feel, feel him fluttering. And then it stopped uh, at a certain point. And, you know, and she, I remember her, uh, her saying, I remember her saying specifically, what have we done? And, um, it was very hard, you know? Uh, I, I had no direct experience with any of this prior to this point.
0: Did you know how you felt it? Like you say, you're a liberal person, but did you know how you felt about the issue in specific?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we are very, we, uh, you know, up until my wife's death, she was, um, uh, a member of, uh, Planned Parenthood, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and donated money on, you know, uh, on a monthly basis. And that's, you know, we believe in choice and we believe in a woman's choice. But uh, after my direct experience with it, I, my feeling about it changed a lot, obviously. I'm not against it by any stretch of the imagination. And what's happening right now is, is frightening. I think. I mean, it's, it's really scary for us as a nation. And, but it really affected affected my view of the topic. You know, obviously very, it was something I'd, you know, it just really affected me. I don't know how to, how to put it other than that. Um,
0: it sounds do- like if everything would have, if there wouldn't have been all these extenuating circumstances, like you guys probably would have wanted to have this baby.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we wanted to have, you know, subsequent to this, we, we want, we wound up getting pregnant again. And we wound up having a son who was completely typical, in all respects, and he's awesome. So we were able to have that experience. Obviously, that that uh, kind of assuages, you know, that experience to, to some degree. It was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a really intense experience. And, and for, I was very concerned with, with my wife at that time, you know, it, it took her a long, long, long time to come out of that depression and that feeling, and you know, it, it wasn't anything that i said or did or could have done to bring her out of it. It was, you know, someone entirely out of our, uh, you know, it was a doctor who kind of put it in perspective for her. But at the time, it was in my view, the only choice that we could make. You know, we didn't have the resources and we, I couldn't see how it would, uh, how we would maintain our lives and, uh, and build something, you know, given that, I mean, having a child is, is expensive, you know? It's not just expensive; it's expensive on every, in every aspect of, of, you know, of your not just money, but your your life, your soul. You know, and it takes a lot. Uh, but when you have a special needs child, it goes even further. And my wife was really intense, all uh, you know, all through her life about how we, you know, how she approached helping our daughter. And so knowing that. I couldn't see how she would how how she would maintain it uh, for two kids, and how I would we would how I or we would work, have jobs, and build something for our kids. Yeah, a lot has come to pass, you know, in 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 the in the interim. But it was a very intense time, you know, if you can imagine. Um, we're sitting on the couch, and it's uh it's this really wild time for the United States. I mean, we're, we're electing this, this new guy into, into office and it's, you know, everybody's talking about change and, you know, and there's all this hope going around and here we are, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife who is, uh, we have, you know, just, um, ended, you know, a life in I I don't know about that. I mean, you know, it's, But it was, uh, it it was,
0: I see how that is, especially when it's like, you know, approaching late term, how that is something that you feel like you have to wrestle with a little bit, um, just no matter how liberal you are, right? just because, you know,
3: yeah. And when you're talking, you know, when you're talking to doctors, I mean, we, and we've got by that point we had a a ton of experience talking to doctors and we're like, uh, fucking doctors. (laughs) And, And because they're gonna, they're gonna feed it to you as, as, um, scientifically and, you know, uh, non emotionally as, as possible. But there's, you know, people behind this and, you know, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a bunch of cells. It's a bunch of cells and you're just kind of, you know, It's not, it's not yet a person or any, any of that, but nonetheless, it represents something and, um, it represents a future.
0: But in your case, that's a future that would have been like really hard for all parties involved.
3: Exactly. And our daughter was, you know, in my, uh, you know, my foremost concern and we had just come out of, you know, her first, uh, a surgery. That she had had to have and we didn't know what the future was going to hold and If we wanted to continue to give her the care that we both knew that she deserved it wasn't going to be forthcoming if if we had another child with you know severe special needs
1: you had a responsibility to a life that was already here That's right. There was no way to take yourself away from that life to give to this other life and what you did makes all the sense in the world yeah. Um, you said that um, when your wife was trying to come out of her depression, that the doctor said something that helped her and helped put it in perspective. Do you remember what that was?
3: He was the only person that could have said anything. It was a he was a neurologist or a neurosurgeon in um, uh, at UCLA, and he was as old as dirt. He was like <laughs> eighty in his eighties, right? And my wife. I don't know how it came out, but she mentioned something about her feelings of responsibility and he looked right at her and you know, he didn't pause at all. He just said, this is not anything that you could have, could be responsible for. And I really saw a shift in her in that moment. You know, he, uh, and he was the only person, you know, (sighs) You've been in relationships, you know, you, you know the people that are closest to you, and we never listen to them. Right. So, years down the line, it's going to be those same people that are telling you the same thing, but you can't hear it until, you know, the lady in the grocery says it to you. Right. Or you hear, yeah, you, know, you hear it on, you know, a podcast, and it's not, it doesn't land until it lands. And that was the moment. That was a real kind of impactful thing that he, you know, and he may have, he may not even remember that.
1: Have you ever uh, talked to another man about your experience with abortion?
3: You know, um, I'm, I'm sober. And um, at the time I was about 10 years sober when, when this is all happening. And I had my, in my experience in sobriety, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know you're as sick as your secrets and blah blah blah, and I at that time felt like I needed to, um, I felt like I had to I had to share this in a, a, with with my closest friends, and it, and it was kind of a um, I don't know if it was a sort of cathartic thing for me. You know, sharing our tragedy. This is how hard our life is, or, you know, not a feel sorry for me moment, but this is, you know, what we were going through. And that became a big thing between my wife and I uh, at the moment. Deservedly so. She didn't understand what my, why I needed to do that.
0: Why you and, needed to talk about it?
3: Yeah. Why I needed to call up our best friends and say, hey, this is what's happening right now. When, I could have just called my sponsor and left it at that. That is what I would do different. You know?
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, cause you said there's, you would have handled it differently. And you're saying yeah. the one way is that you would have been less public about it.
3: Yeah. I would have respect. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was disrespectful or, but, but it was a little bit. Ultimately I said, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. And, um, yeah, it was, she didn't understand. And I, I said, Hey, this is a program thing, but you know, it was just, you know, tragedy tourism really. And that's the one that's, that's one of that's, I think that's one of my biggest regrets. And it really kind of drove a wedge in between us at a time that, um, that we, you know, that was hard.
2: Yeah.
3: And I didn't really need to do that. And, um, yeah, I felt, I felt bad about that.
0: You have a son now that you mentioned and were you happy that you could provide for him in a better way? Because I don't know if that makes sense, you know, because you're like, had conserved your resources at that time.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously things, you know, um, things came to pass that, um, were hard for, for him. And now, you know, and now I'm a single dad.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
3: so all of my life is, you know, is, is lived for them, you know, and that's something I wish they hadn't, they hadn't had to experience. Um,
0: I'm really sorry.
3: No. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, while, when, when my wife was, was healthy, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was uh, it was challenging as well, but it was, you know, very fulfilling, and, and you know, we're happy to have, the, you know, two diametric experiences of childhood mm-hmm. um, in the same house. Um, and he's great, and she's great, too, just in different ways. But yeah, uh, and, and at that time, you know, it was, it was difficult because my wife, um, my wife never really worked after, uh, because of my, my daughter's special needs. So she, she was just a force of nature. She, you know, took, uh, took it upon herself to really do research constantly and see how we could help her and, uh, you know, in every respect, uh, we've been all, of, all over the world kind of to help her um as a family and you know we couldn't have done that without uh without that choice really i think
0: thank you so much thank you so much and yeah for what it's worth like you seem like a really good dad and you seem like an incredible dad (laughs) yeah so um, thanks your kids are really lucky
3: yeah thank you guys
1: wow I mean that Mm -hmm. is an insane story that I feel very privileged to have gotten to hear and I think it really sheds light on what people mean when they say we prioritize the life that is already here over uh, a possible life uh, of an unborn fetus
0: yeah definitely and I think you know when we put our post up asking people to share their stories I mean this wasn't even a set of circumstances that I was expecting to hear, you know, I was expecting to hear variations on kind of my experience or the experiences that we've heard thus far. But, you know, this is, (laughs) I I don't even know. I mean, the circumstances are so crazy that it's like you're legislating things that you don't even understand how this impacts people's lives.
1: I think it's okay to be speechless in the face of like, How devastating this is. You know, I I don't think we have to always be eloquent. It's just enough sometimes to be like, fuck, that is.
0: Like we shouldn't require people to live under. Chaining someone to misfortune like that. burden. It's crazy. That would
1: literally impact and ruin their entire family and the happiness of so many people.
0: I mean, the way that they, him and his wife took care of their first child. It's like, that's enough they're good. (laughs) They've, you know, they have enough. So I hope you guys really enjoyed our three part series. Go back if you haven't listened to the first two parts, uh, featuring men sharing their personal experiences with abortion. We've said it before. We'll say it again. It's so cathartic for us to hear these stories from men. You know, we hardly ever hear it. And it's so, so important. And it's good for Everyone. Yes.
1: And we need men to help normalize this for not just for women, but for men also. And uh, we need to see this with compassion and with openness. And we need men and women here to be united behind this issue because it is not just a women's issue. It is an everyone issue.
0: Yeah. And let's get rid of the shame. I yes. think talking about it helps helps with that. So thank you to Jeff, Jeff May, Hilarious comedian when he's not talking about his abortion, even when he is. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) And our anonymous friend. Thank you guys so much for lending your stories and your voices to this important episode and series. Uh, Yeah, we really appreciate it. So stay tuned for our next episode about masculinity in super feminist Finland. We're going back to Finland for a second.
1: And after that, we've got some fire New York interviews that I cannot wait to share with you guys.
0: Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? Oh, I'm glad you asked, because it
1: is incredible, and it is by our friend Amy Rosh. Find her on Spotify. Her last name is R-A-A-S-C-H.
0: Yeah. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We We love love you, Mike. Mike. If you like this episode or you're feeling generous, please leave us five stars and smash down a sweet review on iTunes. And if you send us a
1: screenshot of your review, we'll send you a super cute Private Parts Unknown button. And for a limited time, a second Abortion is Normal button.
0: Two, Two buttons. buttons for the price of one review. What? what? What are we, Amazon? And if you didn't like us, thank God it's your choice, right? Oh yeah. in it up. And a pro
1: choice sitch. Yeah. See you next time, you guys. Bye.